Have you ever felt like you were on a speeding train and it wasn't slowing down? There were no bathroom breaks. There were no stops. You didn't see any end in sight, but it just kept going, 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 going. And you feel like, I need a little break. I need a little pause. And I don't know how I'm going to get it because there's too much to do. There are too many responsibilities. I'm not wanting to check out of life and its responsibilities. You may enjoy your job, enjoy your family, enjoy these things, but, but you feel like I just need a little pause. I need a little break, a little time maybe to do some things that right now I don't have time to do. You may have some things you'd like to read or places you'd like to go or things you'd like to study or, or things you'd like to watch, but there is no time for that. You've got daily responsibilities that keep coming your way, and it seems like it'll be some time before you can take that pause. Now, I was thinking this last spring, I would like to take a pause. Now, I've felt that a lot of my life, <laughs> and um, because there are things I'd like to read, there are things I'd like to study that I, I really can't do. And so I was talking to one of my friends about the concept of a sabbatical. How many of you know what a sabbatical is? Well, it's not sitting on the beach uh, drinking martinis. Um, it, it is not a vacation. A sabbatical typically is for teachers. How many teachers do we have here? Hold your hands up high. we got a lot of teachers. We have some that are not even here today, but teachers are gearing up. And some of them are on withdraws because they're not teaching this fall, like Scott, but, uh, <laughs> but he finds still ways to teach. Uh, I've lived with a teacher, and so I know what that is like. And, and typically for a teacher, they have the, you know, a day starts early in the morning, getting everything together. They're in class, and they're going every hour of the day. And when they're not teaching, they're meeting with students or they're doing lesson preps. They get home at night, and they've got to prep for the next day. And it is nonstop. They're grading papers. They're, they're reading um, uh, or looking over tests. And so typically, teachers are learners, aren't they? I mean, if you talk to a, a someone who loves to teach, they also love to learn. And so, so really what happens is they're, they're teaching, studying, learning, and they're excited about transferring that to someone else, to be able to give that to someone else. But what happens when you're always giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out, but you're not able to take some time to study some more? It's a frustration a lot of teachers have. You say, well, they've got all summer off, <laughs> but typically not because they've got to find another way to provide some income. It's not an easy thing. And so teachers, professors, and college uh, research professors will often take sabbaticals. And pastors do, at least pastors used to. You know, there was a day when the most educated person in the town and the city was, to your shock and <laughs> Is, was, or pastors. They were the most educated people because they, they studied, they learned, they grew, and so they would spill over doing. And so often they would take sabbaticals. It wasn't like, I'm taking the summer off, I'm going to go have a vacation. But they would do things like um, research. They, they would study or they would write or they would write books or periodicals. They would take time to think. 
they would often take time for continuing education because they're hungry and thirsty to learn, to keep on learning, to develop teaching skills, to develop content, to do lesson preps, to plan for the next year, and to organize uh, these things into future teaching and opportunities. And so sabbaticals were a healthy part of being a good teacher. But that's gone away for a lot of people. And I have often thought of this probably for the last 40 years that I've been preaching that I'd like to take a little time because I'd love to read these books or study this or go to this class or I'd like to, I've always wanted to go to Israel and go to the, uh, to school there for a summer just to study and to walk through the lands and and to, to do something like that. But things like that are just not practical. They're not realistic. You know, if you've got work to do, you've got stuff that's not going to happen, so you put it off and you're not able to do it. Now, I think that that's for teachers. Now, not everyone here is a teacher, but I think we have this in common that we get so busy that we're giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out, doing, 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 working, 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 and feel like, you know, I need a little air. I need a little food. I need a little refreshment. I need a little time. I need a little pause to be able to kind of regroup and be strengthened for what I need to do. And the time is not just there. So you don't take the pause, and uh, that's that's where I ended up this last spring. I thought, you know, I'd love to do that, but now's not the time. I think, when is the time? It's been 40 years, so I think, well, probably (laughs) in 20 years, um, I may do that. And so then the doctor tells me, you're going to have surgery on your neck on June 25th. And I go, yikes. So I have a forced sabbatical, a forced pause on my life. And this is what I have found is that (laughs) when we don't take a pause that we need, sometimes God forces it for us, and he makes it for us. How many of you have had a forced pause in your life? (laughs) It's like, what's that all about? Uh, I've not got time for this. I can't, you know, moms, I can't be sick. Uh, or I can't take this time off, or you've you got your leg in a cast or in a boot, or you're, you've got all these things going on, and God brings a pause into your life. It wasn't planned, it wasn't orchestrated, but God brings a pause into your life. And typically, we're worried about what's happening, and we don't see the bigger of picture of what God is doing that is good for us. That's what I found. There's so many good things that happened to me during my six-week forced pause or my forced sabbatical. So you can say I did take a sabbatical. In fact, I've taken four of them in my life. Every one of them was forced. (laughs) One of them was after a car accident. One of them was after an illness. Um, One of them was after I... Uh, retired from my job and didn't have a new job lined up. By the way, don't do that, but I did that. And then this most recent one, when the doctor says you're going to have surgery. So these are forced pauses, forced sabbaticals. I wish I could say, you know, on every one of those, I just did great. But I really didn't. Uh, I remember a couple of those, I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't, I wasn't, thinking what's God doing. I wasn't thinking this way. But this time, God had already been working in my life in a way where I thought, you know, I need to 
make the most of this. I need to see what God is doing in my life and, and go into it not with regret and, oh, man, I can't believe it, and frustration or depression, discouragement, because you're not able to do what you normally do, but to embrace this as God's working in my life. So this is what I would like to share with you today, and I hope that you make application because I think we're all, we all tend to be on the speeding train and need a pause some of us are uh, plan it well enough where we take a pause and plan a pause, but a lot of us end up God pausing it for us, and we're a little bit frustrated. So the sabbatical, the Sabbath, uh, the word sabbatical comes from Sabbath, which is an Old Testament word, Shabbat, which means rest, is rest. And... Uh, my point is this, so if we don't hit the pause, God might just hit it for us. But it's not because he's mean. And he's not because he's trying to make your life miserable. You know, you're holding your neck thinking, God, why are you letting this happen to me? You're thinking the wrong way. God, out of his goodness, may force a pause in your life. And we see this really in the life and ministry of Jesus and what he taught. And I want us to take a look this morning at what and how Jesus was teaching his disciples. Uh, by way of a little bit of background, when, when you look at the life of Christ, which I think is so different from modern-day American church and American ministry, what did Jesus care about? The first thing is he cared about people. Okay? Not about building the business, not building the church, not organizing everybody or accomplishing something or speaking or being known. He cared about people. Because when even when there were crowds of thousands around him, he could look into the eyes of a person and value them and see them and hear them. Don't ever forget that. That Jesus cared about the individual. I feel in a sense we've lost that in ministry today. Because it's all about building the church and building the organization and building the nonprofit and, and building the, uh, the, the, the uh, ideas that men have. And some of those things are helpful. I think structure is helpful. I think having a building is helpful. But I think it's gotten a little bit carried away. Jesus cared about people. Second thing is that Jesus cared about what was in the heart. Over what you look like, and what you're doing. It's interesting that in the early church, it really wasn't much about the aesthetics. But around 300, A.D. 300, when the Romans took over the church, you know, we had kind of the Jews with the community. We had the Greeks develop a philosophy. But now the Romans in, in A.D. 300 under Constantine institutionalized the church. It became an institution. And so it became incredible buildings all through Europe. I mean, at first it started out in, in Asia, Europe, and Turkey, and, and that sort of place, and through Rome. But they took these pagan temples and made them incredible. And that's why when you look around the world and look at some of the great churches which, that's not a church. Church is people, community. But not, then we started having the 
the uh, pastors and the, uh, wearing these beautiful robes and gold and glitter and people dressing up and, and, and looking their finest. And then we, then we got into behavior. We do this and do this and do this and you don't do this and don't do this and don't do this and do this and do this. But Jesus was always concerned about here. What's going on here in your heart? And it, w- it was so uncomfortable for the Pharisees because they were all about <laughs> how you look and what you do. Hadn't changed a lot. So that's the second thing. Jesus was concerned about people. He's con- concerned about heart. And the third thing, what was the most predictable habit Jesus had in his life? He withdrew himself to pray. Sometimes alone, sometimes with Peter, James, and John, sometimes with the twelve, sometimes with other followers. But the most predictable habit he had was practicing a Sabbath pause, a Sabbath principle. Why? Here was a man who had the greatest weight that any man had ever had on his shoulders. You talk about a speeding train you can't get off. You talk about the clamor of people having needs. They want to be healed. They want to be taught. They want to be fed. They're just on and on and on. And so what he did is he would, on purpose, it wasn't forced by God, <laughs> on purpose he would pull away and he would find the total refilling, refreshing that he had with his father. The Sabbath was given by God for that refreshment so you don't burn out, so you don't wear out, so you're not just wasted. This is the most predictable. You, you go through and read through the New Testament, the most predictable thing that Jesus did. Now, this morning, we're going to be in, in the Gospel of Mark. Um, there are four, not, there are really not four Gospels. There are, there's one Gospel and four different accounts. So you have four different men giving a perspective from various views, Mark is one of those. He's he's reading from a, a uh, or writing from a context of uh, how Greeks philosophers would look at this and think. And um, where we pick it up in chapter six is is Jesus is incredibly busy. <clears throat> I mean, he is. Uh, I don't think we can imagine that anybody ever being more busy than Jesus. He has got everyone wanting something. Uh, sometimes I laugh when doctors walk into the back of the church because everybody's, hey, doc, doc, I've got, <laughs> I got this, I've got, I got this. <laughs> but Jesus, he was a healer. He could feed people. He could do miracles, cast out demons. And he was an incredible teacher. So people want advice and counsel. So there, there would be no break. There would be no break unless he would take it. So in Mark chapter 6 and verse 31, and this is to me uh, the this statement is just really powerful. In verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said, Let's go off. And he's speaking to his disciples. He's saying, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Actually, the word in some translation is they had no leisure. They had no leisure. 
Now, part of our pride would say, I don't need any leisure. I just need to work and get it done. We got stuff to do. And I think particularly when you're doing good things, you can burn out doing good things. I can't tell you how many guys that I sat in seminary with that are now out of ministry because they burned out doing good things. So what it can do is create a blind spot. You can do that too because you say, you know what, I've got a good job, I've got a good family, I'm doing this. All these things are good that I'm doing, but you're burning out. So Jesus says, say, step aside, come with me, and rest a while. Get refreshed. So this morning, a few things I'd like for us to see in the context of this verse. First is this, is that God created Sabbath for you. God created Sabbath for you. And, and I, we typically think God created Sabbath for himself, so we'd all come and worship him. God created Sabbath for you. Rest for you. Pause for you. He created that. In the creative order, Genesis 2, 1 and 2, it says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. And so he rested from all his work. So that's what God's intent. Six days he created, and the seventh day God rested. Why? Man, I was beat. You think God was tired? Do you think God needed a break? Do you think God needed rest in the sense of just to kind of recoup? No. Because God doesn't need anything. You say, well, God, God needed to create that day so we could worship Him. God doesn't need that either. Did you know this? God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. <laughs> that's, a, that's quite a thought. We need Him. We need Him. So when he rested, I believe this, when he rested, he, he beheld what he had created and the beauty of it and enjoyed it and gave it to man and to woman that they might enjoy also and not just have their head down working all the time. In Exodus 20 and verse 8, and this is, this is great because even when the law came by Moses, uh, he put it in the law, remember to observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Or holy means really set apart. In other words, you set that day apart. You plan that day to be apart. Mark 2 and verse 27. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. <laughs> and, you know, I love it until I start thinking that's just like me. But <laughs> he's talking to the Pharisees about People, because they're complaining, hey, they're not keeping the Sabbath. They're walking too far. They're doing too much work. They're lifting that. You're healing that person. You can't do that on the Sabbath. People are not keeping the Sabbath. They're not looking right, and they're not doing right. Mm -mm -mm. And here's what Jesus says. He said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Think about that. That is profound. It comes back to the statement I made earlier that the Sabbath was not created for God. The Sabbath was created for you. God gave you 
Sabbath. He put that into his creative order. He commanded it. Jesus reemphasized it. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, I love this passage. It says, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Now, I know we're jumping into Hebrews here, but I think it, it, it builds the context. Because, by the way, you get 66 books. It's one story. It's one story. It's a story about Jesus. And this shows us that Jesus is the Sabbath. He fulfills the Sabbath. He fulfills the law. And so, where do we find rest? Here I am. I'm trying to get to heaven. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to do this. And God says, you never can. You can't. You're not good enough. You're a sinner. But you rest in Jesus, who died on the cross for your sins and gave to you eternal life. Rest. There's rest daily for me as I trust in Him and I lean upon Him. And there's rest ultimately when I get to heaven, I enter in. That's what he's talking about. I enter into that rest, and it's all through Jesus. You cannot find Sabbath. You cannot find rest from your anxiety and all your turmoil apart from Jesus. You just can't. So God created this world. He created you. He, he formed into creation Sabbath, and He fulfilled it in Jesus. What are the benefits of Sabbath? I wrote down three. I'll give you three, probably more than this, I'm sure. The first one is reflection. Reflection. God, when He created, rested. And we, too, can walk outside and look around at every flower, every bug, every bee, every butterfly, every part of God's creation, and soak it in. Can I tell you this? There are so much of my life I've missed stuff like that because I've been so busy getting to the next thing. Have you been that way? I've got to do this. I gotta, you go right by stuff. And... What he's saying is, I want you to pause and stop and slow down and, and hollow out Sabbath so that you can enjoy what I've created for you. <laughs> you ever see those mountains over there? Have you seen the mountains in Colorado? Have you seen the aspen they are going to start to turn? The lakes and the rivers? Have you seen the butterflies, the green grass? Have you walked around and seen what God has done? Here's what it says in 1 Timothy 6. He says, He has given all things for us to richly enjoy. Everything He has created, He gave for you to enjoy. Now, there's a type of Christianity that says, No, we shouldn't enjoy anything. There's also a type that says, well, that's been polluted. You know what? Everything, every good gift gets polluted. <laughs> Don't you think? Think about this. Food, drink, marital relationships. I mean, you talk about all the pleasurable, enjoyable things. There's part of sin that tends to pollute that. But what he said, I want you to enjoy it. So when you have Sabbath, it's not that we're staying home today, folding our hands and not going anywhere. 
And that's what the Jews ended up doing. You can't walk here, you can't go there. When, when the Sabbath was created for family and relationship and time together and fun and feasting and, and having food and drink and going places, enjoyment. Wow. God created Sabbath for you to enjoy everything He's created for you. He loves you. He created this for you. That's amazing. So reflection. Reflecting on His beauty, His gifts, all His blessings, and enjoying them. You know, it's, all, it's okay to enjoy good food. Did you know that? It's okay to, to go take a walk, to take a hike, to spend time with family, to enjoy things. So reflection. Number two is recreation. Does that sound like another word you know? If you take the hyphen out, what does that look like? Oh, we can't be talking about recreation. Well, it's kind of fun to see the Broncos start up again <clears throat> on Thursday. Should have planned that during my surgery when I could watch some games. But anyway, recreation. We don't have time for that. We've got to work. Not the way God says. He said, you know, you work six days on, you know, the seventh day, I want you to recreate. So here's how God made us. He made us, we're physical and we're spiritual. We're, we're what you can see and what you cannot see. The body needs to recover, right? You need rest. So how many, how many hours do you need a night? Some of you need nine, some of you need eight, seven, six, five, I don't know. Some need four, I've heard. But they need something. I don't know anybody, I don't know any, anyone ever that, that goes just without ever sleeping. So your body needs food, it needs fuel, it needs rest. God made you as a physical being. You need to take care of your body. You need your body to be strengthened and refreshed and rested and rejuvenated. And that, he tells us that. Take care of your body. God gave it to you. It's a gift that you have. But you also have the, the part that no one else sees. <laughs> and I would say that, that's the heart or the soul. And I kind of divide up heart as mind, will, and emotions. I've shared this with you before, but, you know, I, I don't get, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired physically, but I, I'm surely not tired mentally. That's, that's my wife. <laughs> And um, tired emotionally? Oh, come on! Not me. Not tired emotionally. But but if you're if you're a thinking person and a spiritual person, and you're an emotional person because God made you in His image, and God has emotions, and you have emotions, those need to be replenished and encouraged and helped. Would you agree with that? I mean, but I can tell you this from my own standpoint, the only one that I tend to think I need replenished with is physically. Hey, I get a nap, I'm good. You ever get to the point where you've studied yourself stupid? It's like you're looking, you're looking at a book or you're looking at a computer and, and you know what? There's, there's nothing going in anymore. Or emotionally, I can't take one more phone call. You know what? If I get one more phone call from a salesperson, I'm going to flip. What's that? 
That's why he wants us to have recreation, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. And we need that. And, and that we need time to be able to do that. We need to give attention to that. We need to recognize that, that part of being able to, to give like the teacher to, to give out, to give out, to teach needs to be the inflow of things coming in. And I think a lot of us were on fumes. And so there's not much to give, and then we're burning out. My last word is reconnection. Reconnection. Because part of the Sabbath was reconnecting. Reconnecting it relationally. Let me say just a couple things. One is, or of course I think the obvious one, is to reconnect with God. And so, so the Jews would meet for worship. The church meets for worship. Um, I think there's, there's the personal relationship with God that needs time for you to have some quiet a little bit. I think this, this whole Sabbath pause principle needs to be daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. I mean, every day you need time to pause to listen to what God's saying, to read His words, to hear His voice as He is speaking to you through His Word, to reconnect with God. Lord, what are you doing in my life right now? Part of this whole thing for me with my pause, with my neck, which I don't still even think it was about my neck. <laughs> you think, well, what was it about? It was, it was my shoulder. <laughs> but no, <clears throat> so I'm kind of working through some of that. <clears throat> you know, I think it was my shoulder, and then I think, well, it was my elbow. You know, but it's, I think if God were to say something to us, he'd say, you know, that Matt, Matt, hey, hey, that's not even the point. That's not even the point. And usually... The thing you're thinking this is all about is not what it's all about. It's about a lot more than that. It's a lot deeper than that. It's a lot broader than that. So pause, stop, think, meditate on this. So I think there's a reconnection with God. There's also a reconnection with the body, the family. Because God made Christianity and his people to function in community. Not, I just go and I leave. This is, I think, kind of the, the, the way the church has become. It's become that way. And what we do is we think, well, you know what, I'm going to go to church. They're not going to miss me if I'm not there. And I'm, and I'm not the type that says, you've got to be there every Sunday, you can never miss. You know, listen, I'm glad you get on vacation and go do things. So don't, don't take this the wrong way. However, when someone says, well, I just worship my God in the mountains. And I, I think you can worship God in the mountains. I think you can worship God anywhere. But if you're in the mountains every week, you're not, you're not investing in community. And God made you to function in body, in community. So, so part of the refreshment was meeting together as he says in, in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, don't forsake meeting together. He said, some people are doing that. They're just not, they're not coming. They're not meeting. Don't do that. Because you need to encourage each other. Now, we would all agree with that, don't we? But I think we, we live in such an independent society. Say, so, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I got this covered. Just me and God, we're good. I don't need all that. But you do need that. So there's a reconnection with God, 
And there's a reconnection relationally, your marriage, your kids, your family, believers together like we have here this morning. So I'm not trying to turn anyone here into a legalist, but to recognize there needs to be intentionality with connection vertically and horizontally. That's the way God's designed his church. And my prayer is (laughs) that when you come on Sunday, you are encouraged. Uh, that, that God fills, f- helps fill that up. That's what Sabbath does. It fills that up. It gives you something to chew on, something to move forward. <clears throat> so we identify a lot of these things that God has been working in our lives. Why don't we pause? Well, got too much going on. But when we don't, God may force that pause. Just recently, probably the largest church in Colorado, the elders asked their pastor to take a six-month leave of absence. I I shared that because it was in the the news. And I'm really glad the church did that. I think they they saw, hey, you know what, our pastor's burning out. I mean, this isn't good. And so they lovingly said, you know, pastor, you need to take a break. He's probably be like most of us. I don't need a break. <laughs> I, I'm just going to pray about it. And, and no, you're going to take a break. And, and that's what we do sometimes. I, I could tell that story so many times over and over again, not just in ministry, but in various places. And it is not a judgment on that pastor or that church. To me, this is the reality. And this, this one is church has, you know, 30,000 people coming on a Sunday. So that, that impacts a lot. It would have been better for him to have practiced Sabbath. But, I, you know, I'm no one to say that because I've not done the greatest job either myself. But here's my point. If we don't plan it, plan the pause, God may end up saying, okay, I'm going to do it for you because I love you and you need to get replenished. You need to be filled up once again. The pause is in Scripture, and I'm not going to take a time on this because it but but each one of them is a great story the greatest leader in all of the old testament who would you say it was now this is this isn't a trick question probably moses okay moses god brought a pause in his life 40 years (laughs) okay 40 years the greatest king in the old testament it's probably david God put a pause in his life of 17 years from the time he said, you're anointed as king, you're going to be the king, 17 years before he's king. The greatest prophet in the Old Testament, probably Elijah. Elijah got burned out. He wanted to die. He ran from God. He went all the way down to Beersheba. And then 40 days journey from there down to Mount Sinai. And he said, Lord, let me die. Let me die. I'm done. I'm just done. And the Lord, you know what the Lord did for him? He gave him food and he gave him drink. And he said, you know what? You're tired. You're weary. Take a break. (laughs) Isn't God good? You know, Elijah had just been on Mount Carmel calling down fire from heaven to consume the altar. He had this. Great experience, you know, that God's man serving God and all the prophets of Baal are fleeing and fire's coming down from heaven. Next thing you know, he's like, I want to die, I want to die, I'm done. No one believes me, no one cares about me. And God in his love creates for him a little Sabbath. The greatest apostle, Paul. 
brilliant guy, incredible guy, but God put him away in the Arabian desert for three years. Three years. So sometimes the pause is for correction, sometimes for maturity and growth and development, sometimes to recovery when you're just worn out. Sometimes God wants to teach you, give you personal knowledge. You don't know. But it's probably more than what you do realize. Everyone needs a Shabbat. Everyone needs a Sabbath principle. Everyone needs a pause. Let me ask you a question, and then I'm going to be done. Has the pause become a part of your life? Have you planned your pause, your Sabbath, your Shabbat? On a typical day, where's the space? Where's the margin? Have you planned that? How about for the week, with all that you got going, have you, have you planned the Shabbat, the Sabbath? Every week, I'm talking to young men, and I'm not exaggerating this. Every week, I'm talking to young men who love God, who are serving God, who are burning out. They're flaming out. They're ready to give up because they're on a speeding train and they can't get off and they can't slow it down. They don't know what to do. I'd like to leave you with this challenge. Hebrews 4 says there remains a rest for the people of God. God created Sabbath for you. And that is Jesus. But all of the gifts that God has for you must be received by faith. That means you act upon receiving that. So the challenge to me in faith is when God has offered something for you is first plan your Sabbath. I want to challenge you tonight before you go to bed. Okay, everybody with me? Before you go to bed tonight, have a plan for Sabbath. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Now you say, well, that might change. Everything changes. You can adjust it. It's okay. Set some goals. Get some ideas. Create some space. Plan pauses. Number two, place your Sabbath into your calendar. In other words, you mark it off, you pencil it in, it's there. You can't schedule something over it. If you do move it, make sure you move it and don't eliminate it. And number three, protect your Sabbath from being crowded out because that's going to be the challenge is things will want to come in and do that. I'd like to ask you to do that tonight before you go to bed. The Sabbath principle of living is intended for all of us for our good. It is a gift from God. He created it in order. He commanded it. He reiterates this. It was the life of Christ. It is what we need today. It is what I don't do well. Okay? It is what I don't do well. And sometimes God will force a pause because He loves us. If we don't learn to hit the pause, God just might hit it for you. Let's bow together as we pray. Lord, you've been so good to us, creating for us this world and all things richly to enjoy. We are so busy, hurried, running about, doing many things that we we tend not to pause to take a Sabbath to enjoy what you have for us and be refreshed and be replenished and be restored. Lord, help us. Help us to take advantage of the gift you have given to us 
We pray in Jesus' name. And because of Jesus, the rest we have. Amen.